Well, let's go to Acts chapter 18 tonight. Acts in chapter number 18, as we stand together in honor of God's Word, Acts 18. Continuing our series through the book of Acts here this evening, A Church for His Name is our series in Acts. And, and uh, Luke is writing to Theophilus and encouraging him as a new believer in the faith that he has come to in Christ, that it is the right faith, it is Bible faith. And then he has no reason to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of its power, because of its contents, but also its effects that it's had. And so we continue on now in Acts chapter 18. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought. For by their occupation they were tent makers. And he, in reference to Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Amen. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he took his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God whose house joined hard, or it was right beside, joined hard to the synagogue. Look at this in verse 8. In Christmas, the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. Now we're talking about the ruler of the synagogue came to Christ. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid. But speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio was deputy of Acacia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul. And brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when, when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason that I should bear with you. But if it be a, reason, a question of words and names and of your, your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters." And he drave them from the judgment seat. And then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio uh, cared for none of those things. And then the account goes on his time in Corinth. But tonight I want to preach to you and challenge you about your part. Your part in helping church planters. Your part in helping church planters. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll get into the message this evening. Well, the church planning conference is a great week at Heartland Baptist Bible College. 
as we've uh, already experienced as a church and been able to be a part, I would encourage you if you have occasion to be able to go over and to be a part of the services there. It really is a blessing as, as you have a time to do that. Nine o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night, Wednesday, Wednesday night of course is here. But as you'll see in that conference, just as really anything we do around here, it's, all, it's about preaching, number one. That's, that's first and foremost. But then also it's this, it's an opportunity to encourage and help church planners. And we'll have a part of that opportunity on Wednesday night as uh, so many will be here. And, and uh, I really anticipate that you're going to enjoy uh, Brother Burton Gates. And um, he was saved uh, over in Arkansas. And uh, you take a guy from Arkansas and put him in Philly, there's something bound to happen there, you know. But, but Brother Gates is really a unique man in and of himself. And it's a unique work there, Brother Sam uh, Davison uh, was just there this past summer and saw firsthand the type of the work. And we're talking about, you know, drug addicts uh, being saved and their lives changed and just a rough part. Probably you could start a church just about uh, every square mile in Philadelphia and have a ministry, you know. And, and so, uh, any case, I'm looking forward to us hearing from this man as well as others. So it's an opportunity to help and encourage church planners. It's also an opportunity to impress upon the hearts of those that will be leading in church ministries the need for biblical church planting. The need for biblical church planting. You know, church planting is really the result of evangelism. As people are saved, they need to be in church. As people are saved, they, they need to be baptized. And, uh, as, and a part of the church. And so really church planting is the result of evangelism. And, and we see that throughout the book of Acts. And, and obviously men move in certain, to certain locations and they live there. And some will plant that church and pastor that church. Some keep moving like what Paul did. He just kept moving and others pastored there. But nonetheless, there's a need for both. Evangelism and discipleship It's not an either or. It's a both and situation and proposition. And so that needs to be our concern. The Lord commanded us to make disciples in all nations. And so church planting needs to be our focus. And we need to focus on church planting in America. It'd be hypocritical of us to expect our missionaries to go where they go overseas to do church planting and a church planting movement over there. And for us not to do it here. It, do, it doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't make sense that we would, we would look at it that way. In America, maybe you would agree with this, that church, church growth, the word church growth, when, when you hear the word, what do you think about? Church growth. Well, you probably, the thing that comes to your mind, like it really comes to my mind as well, would be this, a church growing larger, church growth, numerically, and uh, increasing and enlarging its membership. Well, that certainly certainly is a part of church growth. The church in Jerusalem, it grew. Antioch grew. Uh, on and on, all the churches that we've come to so far in the Bible as we've looked through the book of Acts, they've, they've grown and, and thank God for that. But that's just one side of church growth. The other side of church growth is just as important, though it may not receive as much attention, I'm talking about at least in America. You see, we've become almost enamored like we have in other areas of life. Bigger is better. That's, that's what we think, you know. A bigger house is better and a bigger car is better and a bigger, you know, uh, uh, bank account is better and, and uh, you know, a bigger steak is better. 
Everything's bigger, except for you being bigger, that's not better. You know, I mean, that, that maybe is where we do, you know, draw the line. But we're all about bigger is better. Well, I, I think we heard testimony tonight that, that bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. You don't have to have, you know, 500 members in a church for it to be a on-fire, soul-winning, Bible-preaching, God-loving, and bus-running church. Hey, it, does, it doesn't matter the size. In fact, if you get too big to go to a little church, you're too little for a big church. But we're one-sided in our focus. We think about congregations becoming mega churches and running, you know, so many thousand and all those things. And listen, it's not like God is against that because if you read your Bible, I mean, the church in Jerusalem grew 3,000, 5,000. So it's there. There's no question about that. But, but also important in church growth. And listen, this involves all of us tonight. You need to see yourself involved in this. And I realize that, that sometimes our agendas are about, you know, how you're going to make uh, all things meet tomorrow in the sense of all you've got to do at the job place and such. But listen, I, I want you to take a fresh new look at this tonight. Because church growth is not just us growing in, in, internally within our church membership, but also this sending out church planting teams. Husband, wife, individuals, uh, a single individual, church planting individuals, sending them out from this church. You say you want people out of the church? That's what God wants. Now, I want him. <laughs> he needs to be the one to send them out, not us. Sorry, that was a Dave McCracken move, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> he needs to be the one to send them out. It's not us. It's not, you know, well, I think you need to go. No, the Holy Spirit of God says... To this, to this individual, I want you to go out. No, that, that's the way it's got to work. It always has to be that way. But we need to pray that way. Didn't our Lord tell us to pray unto the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto his harvest? And where would those laborers come from? Well, we're, we don't go down to the university. We don't go down to the marketplace to find people that will uh, do church planting. No, it's you. Amen. God might call you. Listen, you're not above being called to plant a church and to, and to preach the gospel somewhere. And you're not too deep and too far in your career for God not to call you. You're not too old for God not to call you. Don't get nervous. I'm just simply saying. It, there's no, I don't find an age limit here that if you get past this age, God can't call you to, you know, to, to be involved in church planting in this way. No, we don't find a, an age, a certain age. We just find God calling people who are saved. If you're saved tonight, you're a candidate. Amen. How about that? You're saved tonight, you're a candidate. So we ought to be concerned about church growth on both fronts. In fact, one man said this, that today's paramount task, opportunity and imperative in missions is to multiply churches in the increasing numbers of receptive peoples of the earth. Multiplying churches. It's not just one church growing large and large and large and large and large and large and, and that doing it. Listen, that really is not going to get it done. It doesn't matter how large Southwest Baptist Church might grow. Listen, we can't reach all of Oklahoma City. If we set ourselves to do evangelism the way that I believe God wants us to, to go to every person and we take that responsibility and we share the gospel with people and God works and they're receptive and they're saved, then this church will not be big enough to hold everybody that needs to come. That means that churches would need to be planted within our own city. See, we need to stay away from turfism. You know what turfism is? Turfism says, you can't plant a church in my city. 
No, you, we, we need church planting in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Oklahoma City, yes. Think how many people live here. Yeah. Think how few Bible preaching churches there are. There's a need here. Obviously, there's a need everywhere tonight. I appreciate what Brother Bill said about New York City. I, you know, some of the students I enjoy, I just enjoyed talking to them, you know, just for their accent. <laughs> get coffee. <laughs> Let's go get some coffee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was poor. It? Okay, that's a Kentuckian trying to speak like a New York guy. Not happening. Not happening. You know, you get in a plane. A plane has two wings. Isn't that good? Would you be concerned you got on that plane and you looked out and you saw one wing over here and you looked over here? We're in a heap of trouble. We're, we're, you got to have two wings. Okay, look, the church has got to grow numerically by growing its membership here, but also by extension growing out from here out from here to out to air regions around here within our own cities we've already said but also internationally and also within our own nation it's got to be both for the gospel to fly yeah. it's got to be both finishing the task is going to call for that i find here in this passage two important factors in this successful church planning effort in a place that you and i if we looked at it we might not think a church would go there we might not think that, yeah, a church would thrive there. Now, you know Corinth. All I've got to do is just mention that name, and you'd say, well, yeah, didn't, don't you know it had problems? Sure it did. Had problems because it had people? Yeah. And so, sure, I mean, it was a wicked society. In fact, one man, uh, even a poet of their day and time, a Roman, Roman poet named Horace said this. He said, it's a town where only the tough survive. That's his town, Corinth. I read after a man named Darrell Bach that said this, it was the Las Vegas of its day. Sin City, Corinth. I mean, it, that would describe it most certainly. Hey, I want to thank God tonight that there are churches being planted in Las Vegas. Thank God for that. And there needs to be more. I was on a website and an individual was asking about some churches in Las Vegas. In fact, in fact, this is interesting. I don't know the full story, but it was Miss Jenny Switzer emailed and asked, hey, what churches are there in Las Vegas? There's an Ethiopian couple that's moving to Las Vegas. I don't know as to why, but in any case, I got on the website. There were Brother Tice pastors and, of course, also Brother Steve uh, Messer and, and just trying to find out what would be closest to them. And, but one thing I noticed that uh, Pastor Tice has is a, is a burden to plant, I believe it was 20 churches in Las Vegas. It's great. Corinth was a, a city of around 200,000 people, so it was a rather large city. And, and so here Paul comes after his time in Athens, and he comes to Corinth. And I love what verse 2 and 3 says, that he met a couple and begins to describe them, Aquila and his wife Priscilla. These were Jewish 
Christians. They were Jews, but they were believers in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. They had been living in Rome, according to the Bible here, and history bears out that, that uh, in AD 49 that the Jews were expelled, and, and historical accounts indicate that they were expelled from Italy, from Rome, because of, a, of the debate that was raging about Jesus being the Christ. And so they, had to, they were expelled from that country, and they went to different parts. And so now they're in a place called Corinth, I believe at the right place at just the right time. They worked as tent makers, worked with leather most likely and, and constructed uh, tents of different types. And, and that, by the way, was Paul's craft and trade. And so that was their income. Now, let me just pause here to say this. Um, I believe there is a role. In fact, as we go forward, there may be an increasing role and need for church, I'm sorry, for tent making missionaries. Tent making missionaries on the foreign field, yes, but a lot of places are not able to work. That's why we support foreign missionaries because they're not able to have a visa that would allow them to work. But there would also be this. I want to challenge some of us to think here a little bit tonight. Maybe you're not called to be a church planner, but I've heard Brother Terry Unruh say what a blessing it would be for some business. Listen, listen, real close now. Somebody with a business degree to come over to Sri Lanka and to help to run the business that they're running there. Now that's somebody in here. I mean, it could be. That's somebody in here that has accounting or some kind of business degree, and you think that God couldn't use you, you know, in that way because of what your degree's in. Listen, you don't have to be a missions major to be used in missions. In fact, I want to submit to you tonight that what we have here this evening are marketplace missionaries. Either this way, of course, Paul worked as a marketplace missionary. He worked as a tent maker so that he wouldn't be a burden to other churches, so that he wouldn't be accused of just being in it for the money. Hey, listen, I believe that, that there's going to be a need for people in America who will say, you know, I'm going to raise some support, but I'm also going to work a job. What that does is it brings them into contact with people at that job place where they can lead people to Christ and see them saved. I heard uh, Pastor Tricky out in Clinton this past week. He said, I drive a bus. I drive a school bus. He pastors a church, but he also drives a bus. That's a great job for a preacher. In fact, I love buses. I love driving. If I, you know, anyways, I just like driving. I'm not real good at it. I've hit the fence at Heartland. I've hit the <laughs> fence here. I've, I've got a record. <laughs> sure. But he drives a bus. He said it's a great job for a preacher because he drives a bus in the morning. It's early. And then he can be in the office and make visits. And then he shows back up, you know, in the afternoon to drive those kids home. He's got contact with kids that need the gospel. And so there's a need for uh, tent making, we might call it, or bus driving pastors that'll work a job. Listen, you need to be willing to work a job. It was, it's commendable to work a job. And, and not that pastoring is not a job. <laughs> it is a job, Brother Thrift, isn't it? It is a job and, and, and such. But I'm saying that there may be that God, listen, God might call somebody here to go and plant a church somewhere and you may be able to raise a little bit of support. But listen, you may need to work. In fact, it might be best for the ministry that you do work. You don't have to be fully supported to go and do it. But also, I want you to think about this tonight, because this hits where everybody, uh, the majority is here this evening. Marketplace missionaries in this sense, Aquila and Priscilla, were they called into the ministry? Their husband, wife, 
making tents. Were they called into the ministry as we think about the ministry? No. As far as I can tell. You know, they were not pastoring. He wasn't a pastor and such. But were they highly involved in the ministry? I'm going to use the word huge. They made a huge impact on the ministry. I just read in my Bible, and please look these verses up later, but you read in Romans chapter 16 and verse 2 and 3, Paul's words about Aquila and Priscilla and how he said, they put their neck on the line for me. And we're, we're saying that, that Paul, the apostle, who was a great church planting missionary, he said, I'll tell you what, I was greatly helped by this team of individuals, this husband and wife, because they took me in, and, and I, I don't know what all else they did. All I know is that, that Paul said, I'm telling you, they may not have been in the ministry, but they were in the ministry. Now, that's you. You need to see yourself as a marketplace missionary. Your job, wherever you work, is your mission field, and it's the means that you can use to, to, of course, earn your living and all that is honoring God and such, but it also is your means by which you can be involved in missions. And I say that Aquila and Priscilla, based on this text, that they were just as instrumental in the church being planted in Corinth as what Paul was. Now, we tend to not see ourselves that way. In fact, I had a real good conversation with one of the young men from the Crossbearers uh, uh, class, our college and career department, ages 18 to, well, they don't leave very easily, 30-something sometimes, or, you know, 20-something, kind of in their 20s. Brother Brad Kowser teaches that class. Brother Brad works up at Kimray, and along with a lot of other individuals here, and and um, in any case, I had a good conversation there. He said, you know, Brother Gaddis, uh, sometimes because uh, as young people, maybe we're not going into ministry, sometimes we can feel like we're not as important. I appreciated his transparency. He said, you know, when we go to youth camp, this is what was in my mind. When we go to youth camp, you know, we fill out, there's a card there that they have you fill out if you come forward and you surrender or you get, you, you're saved, you rededicate your life or you surrender to the ministry. But he said, you know, there's no card on there that says I'm surrendered to be an accountant or I'm surrendering to be, you know, uh, a teacher or whatever else it might be. But, li but listen, listen, young people, those of you that are trying to discern what God's call is on your life, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If God is calling you to be a physical therapist, then you shouldn't lower yourself to be a preacher, a pastor. Are, are you with me? Be because that, that is God's call for your life. Not that preaching would be less. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying you've got to do what God calls you to do. And, and that means that God's call, he's calling you there to use you in some way. And you may not even see how God might use that skill that you have or that knowledge that you have. But here, here, you may not see it, but here's what we all need to see. We need to see that not as separate from the gospel, but as a part of the gospel ministry. That sanctifies the work of a physical therapist or of a doctor. I appreciate uh, an individual this, uh, this past, uh, just yesterday, had a conversation with someone that works at a hospital, and she had an opportunity to lead somebody to Christ. As a nurse, she led someone to Christ. Hey, I just want to thank God for that. Yes, it's ministry. Isn't that wonderful? Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself that way? Quill and Priscilla, I'm telling you, they were helping in the church planning effort, and so could you. We're going to get down to some practical things here in just a minute about how you might do that. But I love how God used them. 
You know, God used uh, Nehemiah. I remember uh, hearing about it. I didn't get to hear the message, but hearing about a message Brother Kyle Oswell preached there at chapel at Heartland about how God used an Ezra who was a priest, but he also used a Nehemiah who was in government and was a leader of the people. He used both. God uses people everywhere. Isn't that wonderful? That's our God. It's good stuff. Well, the church really took off here. Paul started with the uh, Jews, but they rejected the message. And Paul said that he would then and thus go to the Gentiles. You know what he did? He moved locations. I find this to be true. Church planters often have to move locations. They might meet here for a while in this location, then they have to go to another place. So here they were meeting in the synagogue, trying to reach and do the evangelism there. But then here's what he did. He just went right across the street from it. Or he just actually went right next door. A man named Justice came to faith in Christ. He was a God-fearing uh, Jew, a God-fearing man, a God-fearing Gentile, and, and uh, rather. And, and so he came to Christ. You know what he did? He opened up his home for the church plant. Opened up his home. God might use your home to be a home. That could be used. We're praying about where to begin meeting out in Shawnee, and there's a need for a meeting place, and so maybe maybe it would start out in somebody's home. Who knows? It doesn't matter where we meet. It's what we meet about. So they met there in this man's home and the church began to grow. Crispus was saved and other individuals were saved. In fact, it says many were saved. And, and so it mentions even some of them by name in 1 Corinthians. God did a great work. But when God does a great work, there's always opposition. The Jews once again began to uh, revile Paul and, and uh, there was a threatening situation. And often Paul had been on the move quite a bit because of these situations that came. But Paul was uh, concerned. In fact, um, you read 1 Corinthians. It says that he was in weakness and trembling and fear. We have in our text here that Jesus, the Lord, came to Paul by a vision and told him, fear not. You know, what he, you know why he's told him to fear not? Because he was afraid. Come again. Did you just say that Paul was afraid? Paul was afraid. That doesn't seem right. I mean, we think about Paul being bold and, and uh, not backing down from anybody, but Paul was afraid. Paul, as a church planner, thought, you know, maybe it'd be good for me to go ahead and leave. Maybe it'd be good to go ahead and get out of here. But the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Paul, fear not. Stay where you are. I'm with you. And Paul stayed there for 18 months. That's a lot longer than he stayed in most places. The only other place that, that is greater than that was Ephesus, where he stayed two years, maybe three years. But he stayed here for a year and a half. And, and the Lord told him, don't go anywhere. You know, this week there's going to be some church planters that come. And I believe some of them might be coming here and wondering, I wonder if it's time for me to go. And for some of them, God might use the preaching of his word and the emphasis and whatever he's going to use to say, yes, it's time to go somewhere else. If they're not wanting a church here, let's move somewhere else. God, ha God can do that. But to some of them, God might say, don't go anywhere. Amen. I'm with you. I'm going to be with you. No man will hurt you. No man will harm you. I have many people in this city. He knew those that were going to be saved. And, and thus he said, Paul, don't leave, just stay. 
Listen, the first factor in this being a successful church plant was God being with Paul and the work that God did in Paul's heart directly and personally. And that's what helped. Hey, listen, may God use this week and may God use this church to be just a catalyst and a help in the lives of church planters. And may God speak directly to hearts and say, listen, don't go, just stay. And in your life, he might be saying to you tonight, don't get out of the bus ministry, just stay there. Don't get out of a Sunday school class, just stay there. Don't change jobs, just stay there. Yes, it can be frightening. Yes, it can be overwhelming. But listen, I have much people there people that need to hear the gospel message. But then I think about what God did through the life of Aquila and Priscilla and Justice and, and Crispus and his whole household and, and all these individuals that God used. So I thought about some practical ways that you and I might be an encouragement, a help to those that are facing great opposition in situations because church planning can be successful today as they receive God's help directly, but he's also, they're also the church planters are going to receive help through the lives of those who care about church planning. Eventually, he went all the way there to the proconsul or to the deputy, and he said, listen, this is not a matter that I'm going to deal with because this isn't a civil matter. This is a matter of your religion, and so be gone. Indifferent. Church planters are going to face a lot of indifference. They're going to need a lot of encouragement. They're going to need a lot of help and, and uh, support along the way. What can you do then? Let me just encourage you about this here tonight. First of all, you might surrender to be a church planner. If God's calling you, surrender to his call to preach the gospel and assemble people together. Number two, as a church member of Southwest Baptist Church, let me encourage you to do this. Do what church planters do. Do what church planners do. What do church planners do? Church planners pray. Church planners knock doors. Church planners evangelize and church planners disciple people. Isn't that what all of us are supposed to be doing anyways? Do the work of a church planter. Work a bus route. You never know. You might be raising up a church planter right there off that route. Financial support, obviously. It's going to be a part of it as men answer God's call and they're going to need the resources. I want to thank God for your faithful giving through the years that, so that this, as we uh, come into this week and church planners present the need for support or they present the need for a project that you and I can get behind them even monetarily and say, hey, we'll take them on for support this long and we'll uh, do this in this way and by way of the project and something special can be a major, major encouragement to them. How about this, as we've heard already tonight, visit a church planner on your vacation. Number one, go to church while you're on vacation. It's a good place to start, but maybe while you're going to those locations, check to see if there might be a church planner in that area. Visit areas and wonder about if uh, maybe a church ought to be planted there. Take a trip to Hawaii and see if a, God wouldn't call you. You never know. Would you do this? Um, pray for our youth. We have an opportunity this summer. Brother Seth will take a group down to the North Valley Baptist Church in Oro Valley, Arizona, where Alfred King is preaching the word and church is growing. The church plant that opened their doors started in 2010. Started out of the Fellowship Baptist Church of Liberal, Kansas. I thank God for Brother Alfred and his dear wife, Miss Shirley, and their family. 
And they love Southwest Baptist Church, and, and I'm so grateful for that, and that we have an opportunity to firsthand, our, our teens will get to go, some of them will be able to go and, and help a church planner. Would you do this? Would you prayerfully consider your part in the church planning effort east of here out in the Shawnee area? Would you prayerfully consider your part? You, you say, well, Brother Gaddis, if somebody prays about that, they might end up being a part of that. Well, if God wants them to be a part of that, then that's what we all ought to want, is that God would use them out there. It's not our part to say which ones. And it's not up to an individual to say, you know, I think I'll just do that. No, it's got to be God's involvement there. Would you consider, as we have opportunities this year, to maybe go to some counties in our state that do not have a Bible preaching church, to maybe join in on that bus going there, or that van going there, whatever it is that's going to knock some doors in that area. How about this? Would you consider adopting a church planner as your family adopting a church planner? There's going to be a lot of them here this week that have prayer cards. Maybe you'd grab and collect their prayer cards and Maybe adopt one of them to, uh, to pray for them and to write them and to go and visit them or whatever God might allow you to do. Some of you have already done this that I'm about to mention, but you've already used your talents. Some of you maybe could use talent and skills. I think that's kind of been a running theme of today. And use your talent and skills to be a help to someone. Some of you have helped Brother Tom LaSalle as he's helped out in uh, the Cornerstone uh, 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 construction and helping churches to move forward. And I know uh, Brother Terry Bannister here, member of our church, went over to Arkansas and used his concrete skills to pour uh, some driveway area and, and some ingress. And so it's a real blessing that way. And others of you could be a blessing. I know some families that have uh, either have made and sold merchandise to be able to have something to give at the church planners conference. There's a lot of different ways that you could. But of course, prayer support. Perhaps of all things that we could do, that would be the greatest. Prayer support. Because this church planning effort, I don't know a lot about it firsthand. My father-in-law started a church there in Kentucky. But I've never been a part of one just firsthand in the sense of actually being there or preached in some places where it was a church plan. But I imagine it's a lot of struggles. They need somebody on their knees praying for them. And as a church, I want it to be in our heart and mind that we're not just interested in us growing large here, but that we're very, very interested, not just in this, but this, starting churches out of this church, internationally, in India, Argentina, wherever, yes, but also right here. To do that, it's going to be like swimming upstream. You know, and I'll close with this tonight. As those salmon are going upstream, God made them to where they knew they needed to do that. But I imagine if they were to think about it, they could say, you know, it'd be a lot easier to go downstream. It'd be a lot easier just to stay here in the calm waters. But listen, if they stayed in those calm waters and did not make that arduous trip upstream, their species would die. You say, well, wait a minute, couldn't they just stay there and, 
and, and just live out their lives there and they'd be fine. They could, but there wouldn't be a new generation. Preacher, couldn't we just stay here and see this church grow large and larger and larger? And Yes, but if we just grow here, it dies. Our species, if you want to say that, about the church, our kind, the Bible kind of church, it doesn't multiply. God made this church to multiply, to reproduce, and that's an upstream effort. And that's why we must pray and ask God to help us to do what may not be popular in our society, but to start Bible-preaching churches. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I know that individually that calls on us this message. If we take it to heart and we see Ananias, and, I'm sorry, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, we see them as marketplace missionaries and individuals that gave their lives serve and then Paul and others dear God that that went upstream so to speak to start churches God would you help us to have a burning desire Lord tonight as a church maybe we could just turn aside and pray for the church planting need that there is and realizing that church planting is the result it's the it's the uh, result of evangelism. So we, we pray for the movement of the gospel and that people would be saved and that those saved people would understand the need to be baptized and be under the authority of a Bible preaching church. And, and thus, as there are a number of them that have been saved and baptized in an area that's too far to come to church here, that a new church would be born and people would be assembled and do exactly what we're doing here. God, we pray by faith that you would do that for your own honor and glory. And so help us here tonight. Help every church planner that comes. Dear God, would you speak to their heart and encourage them. God, pray for those uh, pastors that are pastoring some struggling works, dear God, and it's difficult right now on them. I pray you'd encourage their hearts. And God, I pray for those that are seeking your will and guidance. Lord, we are. We're praying. I'm praying with Brother McQueen and that you would lead and guide him, dear God. Please send forth labors into the harvest as you see fit, dear God. Help us, Lord, to extend the gospel beyond this region, but certainly within this region. Dear Lord, help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us first tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.